Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, good morning. One of these times I'm going to time up my, my sync with the I'm going to nail that one. But hey, so uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can turn with me to the book of Philippians. We're going to be hanging out there for a little while this morning. On my way in this morning, while you're finding that, uh, someone caught me and they said, are you going to wear that while you're preaching today? And I said, I was planning on it, right? (laughs) Something wrong, right? So they were actually concerned that I was going to end up preaching in swim trunks after all that happened in October. And I assured them that would never happen. I would would never wear swim trunks as I preach. You don't have to worry about that until at least summer. We'll see when we get that far. But I will preach in this if that's okay. Um, But you found Philippians, I'm hoping. We're going to be in Philippians this morning. And we kind of get to continue this morning because Pastor Jeff started us in Philippians last week, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, and we talked about arene, okay? We talked about this peace of God that comes to us and leads us to be people who forgive as God has forgiven us. And so we lit the candle of joy this morning. So we get to talk about joy today, and we get to continue in these words of Paul, but it seems like Paul has a hard time moving on. So he's going to stick with these themes of hope and peace throughout our passage today, even though we've moved on to joy. So I'm excited to get back to the words of Paul that he wrote to the Philippians with you this morning and talk a little bit about joy. Our passage this morning doesn't come from the Gospels, uh, but it contains the message of the Gospel. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand with me this morning as we read from Philippians chapter 4 together. This is Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God, and our response is always, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So a few weeks ago... We began a project in our home, and it was a fun one. Our son has needed a new bunk bed for a while, okay? He's needed a new bed, I should say. But we thought it would be really fun if his new bed ended up being a bunk bed, right? Because no, what kid doesn't love a bunk bed? This was like, this is our thought, right? So this is a process that took me a little bit of time, right? Because I'm a researcher, So I don't buy anything that costs more than 50 bucks without reading an incredible amount of reviews. I think my wife both appreciates this and finds it a little bit intense, but consumer reports is like kind of my thing. This is, this is fun to me. Okay. Um, but I did not realize that there were so many different kinds of bunk beds, right? There are so many different sizes and materials and weight limits. Okay. I don't know if you knew this about kids. I learned so much that there is a typical weight limit on a lot of bunk beds of 200 pounds. Okay. 
I don't, I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning, but it's probably not a great idea for me and my son to both sit on that bed if that is true, okay? That is also probably true with just me by myself, especially after Thanksgiving, okay? So uh, we did some research, found a nice sturdy bunk bed, and made that purchase, right? And so this is the picture of the completed project, all right? You see the joy on his face there. Uh, he was so morning, he got to come over here, he's like, is this for me? I was like, yeah, it is. So, um, but I, I, this, our completed project, lots of, lots of fun, but um, I told you I like product reviews. The only negative thing that I read about this is that from time to time, it can take a person a long time to together. So I was like, sure, I will be willing to put in the time to make sure that, you know, we put the bed together well and it's not a big deal. It'll be worth it for the joy that he experiences if I'm able to put this bed together, no problem, all right? Um, I, this is not an Ikea product, okay? But if you've ever put together Ikea furniture, it's kind of the same kind of thing, right? You get a million parts and you get one Allen wrench. This is just kind of how it goes. I personally believe that purgatory is just going to be you show up and there's just endless boxes of Ikea furniture and they hand you an Allen wrench, right? So it's a joke. We don't actually believe in purgatory. If you have problems, you can email Pastor Jeff at jeffmcveigh at gmail.com. But uh, what I thought was going to be a relatively simple project turned into an all-day project okay this was something that took us six hours okay six hours later we get the completed bed these kinds of things so to be fair though i did have a little bit of extra help i've learned in parenthood that you can't always value efficiency as your primary goal right so i let owen help me with this project and putting the bed together so i had a little bit of extra help which may have added a little bit to our, our time but i would be lying if i told you this morning that i wasn't a little bit frustrated by the complexity and the lack of clarity in these directions and the amount of time that it was taking us to put this bed together and the hundreds of allen wrench turns and the hundred of allen wrench turns back the other way when you realize you put it on the wrong place right so uh, but I did my best to hide all of this to, from Owen, right? Because this is a purely joyous experience for him, right? From start to finish. He's loving it. You see the joy in his face and all throughout. When do we get to put the top bunk on? When, when do we get to put the ladder on? Can we put the mattress on yet? You know, all of this. And so it's interesting, though, that we were both in the same room with the same circumstances. But I would say that we, for the most part, experienced this very differently, right? His intense joy and my hopefully masked frustration throughout the process. But joy can kind of have that effect, can it? Joy can be like that. Two people going through the same circumstances can experience life very differently if one of them chooses joy. And of course, throughout Advent, we join in with churches around the world and we focus on these themes of hope and peace and joy and love. And if I can be transparent with you just for a second this morning, I preached on joy last Advent. I preached that this week, last year. I have to say, preparing for that message was probably one of the harder messages to prepare for because I knew how many of you were going through some incredibly difficult times this time last year. So to get up here and speak about joy was a little bit difficult, a little bit intimidating. And when we come to this year, 
It still feels like we're, we're living in some difficult times. Things are still very challenging in our world. And so we continue to come to this topic of joy. We continue to talk about it because we know it's not something that comes always so easily to us. But we do recognize how much we need it. And so I love Paul's example for us this morning because Paul is almost certainly writing the words that we read this morning from a prison cell in Ephesus. Okay, So life has not been easy to Paul. The future is very much up in the air at this point. He's finding himself in a prison cell writing to us. And so Paul is writing with a perspective that I think is helpful because his life is enduring so many challenges too, if we're going to put it lightly, right? This morning, I think, if I can say, I think that there is sometimes a temptation for Christians to feel like we have to pretend like we have it all together, like we have no problems, like we've got it all figured out. But I think it's really worth noting this morning that Paul doesn't hide his present circumstances and his very difficult situation from the people that he's writing to. No, he, he lets them know fully how challenging life has been for him. And he has no intention of trying to convince them that following Jesus means that you will have no problems. And so Paul fully understands that joy is not an empty emotion that you fake so that people don't know what's really happening in your life. He understands this. Instead, Paul is choosing to use his present circumstances as an opportunity to share how he has found joy in the midst of his very valid and real struggle. Paul wants us to recognize that so much of our life is in how we respond to our circumstances, no matter how challenging they may be. And so right out of the gate this morning, from his prison cell, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Okay, so I'm not the Greek junkie that Pastor Jeff is. Let's, let's just be clear about this. Uh, there's a basketball player called the Greek Freak. I don't know if we can give that name to Pastor Jeff. It's already taken, but I like that one. But um, we can still get in our Greek lesson or two this morning. I'm excited to do that. Um, our first word here is kairo, okay? And I'm going to ask you to say this with me. Kairo. One, two, three. Kairo. One more time. One, two, three. Kairo. Okay. So we translate it as rejoice, but it really means to celebrate and remember and experience God's grace. And our reason for rejoicing, for celebrating and remembering God's grace is directly tied to what Paul says in this next verse. In verse 5, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It's what we celebrate in this season of Advent. We rejoice because God has drawn near to us. And so Paul is adamant, he repeats himself, that we are to be people who rejoice always and celebrate the grace of God because he's come to us. Now I have to tell you this morning, Paul never uses the word joy in our passage, okay? So some of you are going to be disappointed, that feels like incomplete, we're talking about joy, there's no joy in the passage. But the message is so full of joy that it's incredibly Appropriate. He's explaining that we should be people who rejoice always. And then Paul's kind of like this. He talks about one thing over here, and then he jumps in, talks about something else over here. So he talks about how we should rejoice, and then he immediately starts to give us practical advice of what looking, what living a life that is rejoicing looks like. And he starts right away here in verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious 
about anything. If I'm going to be honest with you again this morning, this is my response when I hear, do not be anxious about anything. My, my tendency is to think, sure, Paul, that's great advice. I will get right on that and never be anxious about anything ever again. Thumbs up. I think it's okay for us this morning to admit that sometimes reading verses like that are really challenging. They're really hard for us to think that that is something that we can attain. Maybe even feels impossible for us. But Paul is clearly serious, and he has reason to encourage us here with these words, do not be anxious. The word that Paul uses here for anxious comes from the Greek word marimna. Okay, so we're going to say this one together too. We're going to learn one more this morning. Marimna. One, two, three. Marimna. One more time. One, two, three. Marimna. And marimna is translated as anxious in our passage, but it can be translated as worries or cares as well. And this morning, I have to tell you that this is one of my favorite Greek words. This is the level of nerd that I have reached this morning in my preparation, okay? Last summer, summer 2020, I preached a sermon from Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the where Jesus, in step with Paul here, teaches us not to worry about our lives, about what we will eat, about what we will drink, about what we'll wear. And Jesus and Paul, they use this same word here, marimna. Jesus says, do not marimna about your life. But this morning, I think it's worth mentioning that marimna isn't always used in a negative way in the scriptures. In fact, just a couple of pages back to Philippians 2, Paul uses it in a positive way when he's applauding Timothy for the way that he's filled with deep, genuine concern for the welfare of others. So these feelings of concern can be good when they're directed towards the right things. They can motivate us to what needs to be done. And the reality is this morning that we all have many things we are deeply concerned about, things that we care, that we should be deeply concerned about. And Scripture, whether you're looking at the words of Jesus or you're looking at the words of Paul, the intent is not for us to be pushed to believe that there's some kind of concern-free existence that we can attain. When Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, he's making light of those things that weigh heavily on our hearts and our minds. He's also not saying that our expectations should be that you're going to have this life free of problems. Again, this morning we have to remember he's writing these things from a jail cell. But I also think that Paul knows that our worrying, it often takes us to unhealthy places. Our anxiety often causes us to dwell and to focus on our trouble and our difficult circumstances. And marimna, stick with me with marimna, although it is most naturally translated as anxiety or worry, it literally means to be divided or distracted. It means to be drawn in opposite directions, to be torn apart. It's this idea that something that is whole goes to pieces. And so Paul is saying, in your rejoicing, as you celebrate and remember God's grace and his presence that's with you, wherever you go, whatever you're going through, don't let the worries of this life tear you to pieces. Instead, he's offering us some hope. He's offering us an alternative method. He's saying, instead of letting the things that make us anxious distract us and tear us to pieces, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I was talking with some of our teenagers this past week, and we were talking about prayer. 
And we kind of talked about the fact that even though we know that God is always available to us, that he's accessible to us at all times, we don't always turn to him in the times when, when we need him most, when we should. And I think there's times where we do that, where we feel like maybe we're backed up against the wall and we've kind of reached the end of our rope and so we turn to God in a natural way in those, in those times. But then there are times when our stress is piling up and we're worried and, and we kind of get in this cycle where we think, I'm just going to figure it out myself. I'm going to do it myself. And the things that I need to solve, I'm just going to try to figure out on my own. But as Paul is introducing us to how we are to live a life that rejoices, he seems to think that a life that rejoices is a life that is full of prayer. I like that. A life that rejoices is a life that is full of prayer. And the good news in this letter from Paul this morning is that No matter what you're going through, no matter what is happening in your life, we have a God who enters into our situation and is willing to carry our burdens. And it's an invitation for us to take those things to him in prayer. And so Paul is just saying, take him up on it. Take your God up on his offer to carry your burdens in prayer. About a month ago, I started reading a book. It's this book called, What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? There's never like a really natural place for you to take a drink. Sorry about that. Uh, So this book is by Sky Jatani. If you can put that back up there, James. Um, Sky writes this book. I love Sky. He's one of my favorite authors. And anything that he writes, anything he puts out as a podcast, I always pick it up or give it a listen. Uh, But the book is all about prayer, obviously. And he notes in the book that the apostles don't ask Jesus the proper way to heal the sick organize a church, uh, to perform miracles, to, to teach the scriptures, but they did ask him how we should pray. And even though prayer would have been a common practice for them in their Jewish culture, the disciples recognized that there was something different about the way that Jesus prayed. Because for Jesus, prayer was personal. It was, it was this intimate thing that he had. It was, a, it was something he made time for, Right? He intentionally would get away to make sure he didn't miss his time with his father in prayer. And so the followers of Jesus came to him and said, would you teach us to pray like that? Because prayer like that looks like it's life-giving. It seems like something we should do. And throughout the book, there's this theme of wondering, what if the key to a more vibrant faith and a life that really rejoices in God is more simple than we think? What if it really is? What if a more vibrant faith is really simply about connecting with our Father in prayer? Just like Jesus modeled for us. What if it's that simple? And I'm only, I have to be honest with you, I'm only about halfway through this book. I'm a little over halfway through. Uh, It's an easy read. There's lots of pictures for those of you who like pictures. Um, But I love this book. And I want to tell you, I needed this book right now in my life. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in a place this morning where prayer is hard, where maybe your prayer life has grown stale. Maybe you just want to give prayer a chance for the first time. I want to encourage you to pick up this book and see why Jesus felt it was worth his time to teach his disciples to learn how to pray when they've probably been praying their entire lives. And then why Paul turns to us and to the Philippians and says, Your God is willing to hear you, to know what's going on in your life. 
carry those burdens along with you instead of letting those things tear you to pieces. All right, we got to move on. I'm telling you, spend more time in prayer, and I've spent too much time in prayer. So we're going to keep going. But Paul transitions now from things that we should do as we live a life that rejoices to something that we receive as we are rejoicing. In verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is starting to get exciting me i know this i hope you're getting excited i don't know if you're excited let's let's stick with this but i told you that this week was going to build off of pastor jeff's sermon from last week and last week was all about arena right we talked about the peace that god gives to us and pastor jeff told us that we often think of a lack of conflict when we think of peace but this word arena very much means wholeness it's when scattered pieces are brought back together and put in their proper order. So if we go back to our Greek word marimna this morning, and we remember it's this anxiety that has us going to pieces, isn't it good news that when we feel like our life is filled with anxiety and worry that's just piling up, we have a God who promises that as we rejoice in his presence, not forgetting or pretending that what we're going through isn't very real, But as we rejoice in that time, remembering the grace that God has given to us, he promises that he will be a God of peace who is with us, who gives us peace, who gives us wholeness, and who desires to bring us back together. Isn't that good news? The anxiety of life, when the anxiety of life has us going to pieces, we have a God who puts the pieces back together. But we're not just told that the peace of God is for us. We're actually told a little bit about what the peace of God does this morning in this passage. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, it says. Now, I feel like I've given you plenty of Greek this morning. So I'm not going to give you one more word to learn, but I'm going to tell you about it. You don't get out of it that easily, okay? So the Greek word for guard is very much a military term, okay? Makes sense. Guard military term. Paul is writing this letter during a time known as the Pax Romana, which is Latin for Roman peace. And it was this time of incredible peace and stability, if you were Roman, right? In fact, much that happened during the Pax Romana wasn't all that peaceful at all. Rome was still conquering, oppressing, and controlling different groups of people. But if you happened to be Roman, or you were willing to give way to Rome and her ways, there was this peace this security that was offered to you as part of the empire. And so people in Paul's world would have been familiar with this idea of peace and a peace that guarded you. And it's subtle to our eyes and our ears because we don't know Paul's world like he does. But Paul is highlighting the fact that peace that God gives does not come from power, from being the highest on the ladder, from being in control. That's the way that Rome does things, right? But it's this peace of God. Our peace of God comes from not being in control, not being the most powerful, but knowing the one who is. It's his peace. It's his peace that he gives to us that guards our hearts and our minds. And it's not an illusion of peace that's maintained by us. 
It's the real thing. And you can see how if they lived in that world and they knew this peace that Rome offered to them, over time that's how they would associate what peace was. And so when Paul says a peace that transcends your understanding, you can begin to say and see that they would understand that this was real peace given by God and not an illusion of peace that was maintained And so for us this morning, I believe these words from Paul invite us to experience the joy of living a life that is rejoicing in the grace of God. But I also believe that this passage 100% invites us to be people who share our joy with others. And that's one of the things about joy, right? It's something you naturally want to share. This morning I told you about bunk beds a little bit, okay? So bunk beds were a joyous experience in our home. Owen has wanted to share the news of his bunk beds with anyone that he has seen in the past month. So if you've seen him, you probably know about his bunk bed. If you stopped at our house, he's probably asked if you can come back to his room and see his bunk bed. Okay? We were going through the McDonald's drive-thru two weeks ago, and the Happy Meal's getting handed out the window by the lady that works at McDonald's. And Owen from the back seat says, Dad, tell her about my bunk bed. I'm like, that's weird. Not going to do that, buddy. He's like, why? <laughs> you know? But that's the thing about joy is when you experience it and there's something in your life that you love and you just, you want to tell people about it. You want to tell what's happened. It's natural. It's part of what joy is. I would guess that many of you, if last week you experienced the joy of winning the Big Ten with the Michigan Wolverines, the week before beating Ohio State, I bet if you're a Michigan fan, you probably called someone. You probably texted someone because you wanted to share in that experience with them. It's not something you wanted to just hold to yourself, but this was a joy that we waited 10 years for, right? So this is the natural thing that we do. When we experience joy, it is meant to overflow from our lives into the lives of others. This morning, as I reflected on this sermon, there's so much in these words that, that Paul has for us. I think maybe there's many of you here this morning who, you know, feel like, man, I just don't know that I have a lot of joy to share right now. Maybe joy is for me, but I don't know about sharing it with others. But I think that that is the hope of our passage today. That's the good news, that from a prison cell... Paul writes to these Philippians, and now to us, rejoice, remember, and celebrate the grace of God that is for you. It's not just for you when things are going well. It's not just when things are, the best parts of your life are happening. From a jail cell, Paul invites us to rejoice in the fact that when life has us feeling like we're going to pieces, we have a God who guards us with peace and with his wholeness. And wants to put us back together. There's a lot of joy in that. There's a lot of joy that we can receive. There's a lot of joy that we can then turn and give when we realize the grace of God that continues to be given to us. And so this morning, as we try to lean into this joyous experience of, of living a life that rejoices this Advent season, I wonder if maybe for you that means a new habit of prayer. Maybe it means giving prayer a chance again. Maybe it means picking up a book that I've only read half of that I fully endorsed this morning. 
Or maybe for you this morning, it's simply receiving the gift of God's peace. The real thing. It's not an imitation. It's the real thing that God gives to you. It's his desire to bring wholeness to your life. It's in this season that Jesus wants to come again to be our joy. Our reason for rejoicing. It's not just to be joy that we experience. We, of course, need that. But it's joy for our world. Because our world's in need of joy, isn't it? Not just empty positivity. There's plenty of that. But joyful hope. And so, we are invited. We are called to be people who rejoice. And so my prayer for us is that we really would be a group of people who intentionally remember and celebrate and experience the grace of God that is for us and that for our world as well. May we be people who live lives. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you for being the reason that we can rejoice and remember the grace that you have given to us. We thank you for teaching us how to pray and for inviting us into a relationship with you, for freely giving us your peace. I ask that you would fill us with your joy, God, this season so that we can share it with our world. May the hope that we have, God, be so loud in our lives that we can't help but share you with those around us. And this morning I ask that when we feel like we're going to pieces, we would remember that you are a God who gives wholeness and graciously comes and puts us back together. Help us this morning to rejoice in who you are. We love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Let me send you with this blessing as you go. May the God of peace, Arene, right? Wholeness. May he sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Go in his peace. May you share his joy this week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.